911, what's the nature of your emergency? Good morning, police, fire, military, and families, and to everybody listening in on the Tactical Living Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Walton, and today I am joined with Police Chief Pate. Mr. Pate, how are you? I'm good. So you've been inside of our group for such a long time. I think like you were one of the founding members, and you're always so interactive with everybody. I know a lot of people have already gotten to know you, but there are, are a lot of people on the podcast that maybe don't know you so well. So if it's okay, can you take us... a back just a little bit of your journey and how you even became a police officer in the first place. Well, the reason I became a police officer, my dad was a police officer in the Dallas-Fort Worth area for over 20 years, and that's where he retired from. So was it just because your dad was an officer that you wanted to become one? Yeah, because when I was 14 years old, I got involved in the Police Explorer program down there in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Oh, cool. Was there anyone else in your family that's also in law enforcement? No, it's just my dad was the first one. And when I turned 21, I got into uh, the reserve program for 11 years. In the last 13, I've been full time. Awesome. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so I'm just wondering how you, how did your dad feel when you told him that you wanted to be a police officer? Oh, he backed me 100. percent Just told me to be safe and watch my six all the time. Cool. And I still talk to him on a daily basis. Was there ever a time when the two of you worked at the same department? Yes, there was. When I was a police chief at a small department, he came and worked with me for about a year or so. And that was probably one of the neatest things I've ever done. That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, Okay, so I know that we're going to be talking a little bit about the way that a lot of officers or first responders in general feel that they are carrying around these demons. Um, So I'm just wondering, what made you even say that in the first place? Well, because over the years, because before I went law enforcement full-time, I worked EMS on the ambulance and seen some awful things. And uh, when I started into it, I was told just to hold them in. And that's just nonsense. We got to be able to talk to people and work it out. So if we hold them in, we're just hurting ourselves. So we got to be able to find that person or people that we can talk to to get that stress and some of that demons away from us. Yeah. And I hear that a lot. There's this mentality of like the OGs and then there's this newer wave of people starting to see this increase in police suicide, especially, and then wanting to sway away from that. So what made you say, no, this isn't okay for, for everybody to just bottle this up? Well, over the years, I've seen several friends that worked on the ambulance and couple officers that has cooked in their own life so they just couldn't talk about it or they were afraid to talk about it because you know like you were saying back when I first started it was hold it in hold it in and I'm like no we gotta we gotta change this because this isn't working yeah um, I'm sure there was a sense of pride from your dad that you chose to follow in his footsteps absolutely that makes me smile to read that comment um, absolutely just holding it in you hurt yourself. And good morning to South Africa from South Africa. It's nice to see you guys. So I, I just wonder, because it, it takes this huge amount of strength to be able to try to shift a single department, nonetheless, the industry. So what is it that you're seeing that you're implementing with your officers that's allowing them to have that safe space and to know that it's okay to kind of relinquish some of that? 
Well, I've had meetings with my guys and other officers and told them I'm here 24 hours a day. If they see anything or hear anything and they can't sleep or whatnot, talk to me. Don't try to mask it with alcohol or drugs or a pill or something. So that just makes it worse. Because once you come down off of that, it's just three, two or three times worse. Yeah. Can, can I ask, because I'm just wondering with your dad also being in the profession, what is his mentality when it comes to mental health and some of the things that you're exposed to and then carrying it around? Well, with, my dad was one of those, you know, back then, you know, hold it in. And I've been talking to him more about it. He's kind of on board with this. Yeah, we got to talk about it because he understands. Looking back, it was just hurting, hurting, your, hurting everybody. So it don't just hurt yourself, it hurts your family as well when you hold it in. Because you take out your frustration on your wife, kids, or females, you know, husband and kids and other family members. Yeah. And I'm just wondering from your experience and especially having talked to your dad about it and then him seeing things in a different light, what advice maybe could you give to other departments, other chiefs, other agencies who don't have that protocol in place? Or maybe say that they do, but we all know it's kind of bullshit because these officers are, are so apprehensive to seek out those modalities. Well, the, the, the departments that say that they do it and then they don't do it need to get away from that nonsense because you got to be able to talk to people, not look down at them because I think I said this before, the more you talk about the stronger person you become, and this nonsense of people saying, oh, you're weak because you can't handle it, that's crap. Yeah. Quit, quit doing that garbage. When, when you have an agency that has been doing things the same way for such a long time, and then you have these officers that have been there for such a long time, and they're so accustomed to it being that, like, just get over your shit kind of thing, how do you remedy that? Well, that's a hard question because, you know, like you were saying, a lot of those agencies where they've been there for so long, they don't want to change because they're afraid of change. And we have to change it. Don't? A lot of these agencies, I'm not sure how we're going to do it, but we got to have it. Cause I see it more in the bigger departments, like where I'm at in Oklahoma, like Oklahoma City and Tulsa, they pretty much just keep doing it the same way. And, they keep losing officers because they're taking their own life because they they're afraid to talk to somebody. Yeah. Can you share, um, just as an example for anybody who might be listening to this, what might have been a moment for you where you knew that you needed to open up and ask for help when there's people that they just keep that bottled in and they think it's okay to? What was that moment for you that told you, like, it's okay for me to start talking about this? Well, it was back when I was working on the ambulance. This calls, I mean, I talked to people about it, but it still gives me nightmares. It was a call that we done. It was a house fire, and we beat fire department there, and they were telling us there was people still in the house in the back part of the house. And we run around the back side, and there's a mom and two small kids. And they had burglar bars over the windows, and we couldn't get to them. And we pretty much sat there and watched this happen. Watched the house burn, watched them burn, heard the screams. And this was 14, 15 years ago, and that still gives me nightmares. But 
my partner I worked with at that time, we still talk to each other about that call. I mean, she's teaching in teaching paramedic school now, and I'm in law enforcement full time, but we still talk to this day about that. And after that is when I decided it was time to start. We got to start opening up to that call. I hit. I held it in for so many years to about the last two or three years is where I decided we got to change to all this stuff. We just eat me alive and making my family life horrible. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chief paid. I agree with you on that one comment. It's crap. I'm not sure which comment because we've made a lot since that one was posted, but absolutely. Um, and I know that you made mention too, that spirituality played a big part in this healing process, this opening up. Can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah. I, I, at the last agency I was in, I mean, I still keep in contact with until I just moved agencies not too long ago. Is I started opening it up at church about it, and my church family helped me get through a bunch of this stuff because they started really talking to me. And there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I don't know how well you are on it, but the Bible tells you a lot of stuff about fear. It's not, not the fear stuff. So you just got to... That's what helped me a lot was just reading different things because a lot of people in the Bible, if you look at what Jesus went through, he went through a whole lot more than a lot of us have. Yeah. What made it comfortable for you to reach out to the congregation to start opening up? Well, when I started reaching out, at first it was hard because I was afraid to let those demons out per se. But when I started opening up and they were really open about it, and just kind of like listened and then a lot of them in there were like retired firefighters or military and when i started opening up they started opening back up and it was kind of a healing process for a lot of people not just myself but others in there that were afraid to talk about it because like we were saying earlier everybody's afraid to talk about stuff yeah people think you're weak if you talk about it and I have a lot of a lot of clients that their fear is that repercussion, right? So if an officer yeah. were to come to you and they were to say, like, you know, I just went on this call and I watched these people burn, you know, behind these bars, and now I want somebody to talk to about that. Like, do you have a second chief? Is that fear that they have? Is that realistic? For a lot of people, I believe it is a lot of the agencies because. Based, a lot of agencies, I believe, if you start talking about it, they think you're weak and you can't handle the job, which is, in my opinion, is totally opposite. It makes you stronger where you can talk about it to then you can do the job even longer. So you hold it in, then eventually a lot of these people get burned out within, say, five, ten years. When they, they talk about it, they can do a full 20, 30-year career and keep doing the job and do it well. Yeah. So why is it different for you? I'm, I'm just trying to get to like, why is it different for you? Why is it okay for you as the chief? Like you're so open and understanding with that. And yet it doesn't seem to be that same existence in a lot of other agencies. Why do you think that is? I'm not real sure why it is at other agencies. Me, I, whatever my officers tell me, I, I don't go and blab it to everybody else. If they come to me, it's confidential. We can talk about it and it stays in the office or in the patrol car when we're driving around or whatever. And I have had officers call me in the middle of the night since I decided, hey, this is what we need to do. And it don't go nowhere else between us. 
unless they want professional help, and then we'll reach out and go to the next level if we if that's what we need to do to get them help. Yeah, I, I think- want. I want my officers to do the job for a long time, not just a few years and go on down the road. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful thing that you're doing. How how did you create that space or that sort of open door policy for them? Well, I I guess like I was saying earlier, just we got to get away from it because I want my guys to do it for a long time and not be afraid to talk to somebody. I've had, like I said, I've had too many friends that took to their own lives because when you go back and looking, they leave notes and stuff because they just couldn't handle the demons. And I'm tired of doing that. I'm tired of burying people that we shouldn't be burying. Absolutely. And so is this something that you just vocalize to them um, just like as a whole that it's OK yeah. for them to come and talk to you and they know it's OK? Yeah, I've had I had meetings and with all my officers, like in big groups and told them all the same thing where we're all, all on the same page, not, okay, you're okay, but not you. They told everybody, it's okay to talk about it. Come, We're a team. We got to do this as a team and quit this individual nonsense. Yeah, we have a question here, Chief. It says, Chief, have you ever found that resources are normally delayed like a week or two compared to having something available the same day? Well, if we start reaching out for professional help, yes, yeah, sometimes it does take a week or so. But I'm always open right then and there. Yeah, and I love what you made mention of with having a partner that you used to work with. So creating that buddy system and having somebody to where it's just like this open door communication between the two of you. I think that's really important. Yeah. And that partner, she called me one night and she was she was fixing to take her life. And we talked for, oh, an hour or more, and we finally got her down from what she was going to do. And it's even a better relationship now that we can talk about it. Yeah, that's really incredible. It's those types of conversations, those types of relationships that we need to be able to cultivate with each other. And it sounds like you had already created this open platform to where she felt safe to be able to come to you and communicate with you. And um, my opinion is you're doing the same thing with your officers by creating in a public forum so that everybody understands in unison, like come unload your shit here. Like it's okay to unload your shit because I want you to stay around here for a long time. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. That's really awesome. And to wrap this up, I, I just have one question for you. If there is an officer or any first responder, let's say they do work at one of those agencies where there's this assumably open door policy, everybody's told to like reach out if you need help, but nobody ever does because they do fear that repercussion. What advice might you give to somebody like that? Well, if you're afraid to talk to somebody at that agency, you know, find another friend or somebody at another agency or at if you go to church or church or even a family member, talk to somebody. I don't care who you talk to. Just find that one person that you feel comfortable and talk to. Yeah, absolutely. Please, Chief Pate, I know that I'm keeping you up. You listening to oh, this, you don't dead. know this, but he um, just got off work at three o'clock in the morning and he, he woke up just to do this interview. And I'm, I'm so, so honored and humbled that you were able to. I think it's important advice for us to know that, you know, there there is somebody at 
as a, a high of a rank as a police chief who is telling you that it is okay to reach out and ask for help. So if you are one of those people and you feel like you have no one to talk to, um, reach out to this group. I know every single person in this group, that's the whole purpose of it is to create that support. And you can send any of us a, a personal message. I know that we would all be really honored to just talk with you no matter what time of the day it is. And in saying that, Chief, I really appreciate you sharing this morning with us. And I hope that for me, it's just the start of the day here in Southern California. It's 544 in the morning, but it's um, it's time for you to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, I got to work again later tonight, so it's all good. But like you were saying, I, hit me up if somebody needs to talk anytime. I'm willing. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Chief. Thank you. Have a good day. You too.